Welcome to the sports show. Whether it's cricket, football, hockey, boxing, or any other sport, you will get all the updates about your favorite sport around the globe. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Hanif and Wajid with the sports show on Radio Sangam. Right, Radio Sangam 107.9 FM is the sports show with Hanif and Wajid. And so we have a special guest with us today, hailing from Sheffield. He's a professional boxer and he's still pretty active within uh, boxing itself. I give you Israr Asitar. So you were a professional boxer and you're still pretty active within the uh, boxing game. So let's go back and can you please tell me how you got involved in boxing? Yeah, uh, when I was growing up, our cricket was my main sport. So I, I represented Sheffield, Yorkshire schools, Captain Sheffield schools you know won, won most most things at junior cricket and uh, I got to 17 18 and, and through the winter I was putting a lot of weight on and, uh, and a cousin of mine said well, look, why don't you try a local amateur boxing club out to keep fit so initially the idea was just to go there keep fit take part in some classes and really I just got hooked to it as soon as I walked into the gym first time I went I thought I want some of this and that was it that was, that was the start of the journey which boxing gym was that it would see amateur boxing club good club in Sheffield good boxing club and yeah I started there and um, just things I only went there to keep fit after one month two months you know I started really getting getting addicted to it and got the got, got a buzz for it and that was it I ended up boxing amateur for the same club things just never stopped from there and that's just been a big part of my life since that day. Why were you addicted as a young kid? What made you come? What made you uh, come back? Just a buzz you get, you know, the kind of all oh, the whole atmosphere, the fam- family atmosphere, the aggression you can let out. Because at that age, you know, you're really volatile on the streets. You're open to a lot of trouble, and so where a lot of my friends were getting in trouble at that time, that I really let let me open my aggression out there and let let me anger out there and really relax me out of the ring and just change me completely. Person, yeah. At that age, how often were you going a week? I was training three times a week. So we used to train Monday, Wednesday, Friday at the boxing club, and then then the rest of the days we still do the uh, keep fit running stuff and jogging and that whatnot, and just to keep us ticking along. Talk to me about your your amateur um, record. How many fights did you have as an amateur, and what did you uh, pick up along the way as uh, an amateur boxer? Uh, as an am- amateur boxer, uh, boxer, I, re- I, I had more of a professional style even from a debut. Before I even turned amateur, I was box sparring with pro boxers, and you know, really, really giving a good good account for myself. So when I, when I box amateur. I I had 18 fights in total and I won 14, lost four. But I learned a lot in amateurs, but I think I picked more up in the gyms. We sparred with top kids, sparred with some really good big names, and I learned a lot from there, a lot in it, more than I did, I'd probably say in the amateur fights. But that price, that experience of going through the ropes, fighting in front of people was uh, priceless. Would you say that your style was naturally just a very pro sort of style, or was it something that came over into the gym? Because, like you said, you automatically like had a pro style in amateurs. So was it a natural thing or, again, you know, was it somewhere you yeah, were picking up in the gym? Yeah, natural because, uh, you know, the amateur boxing is a lot of uh, picking points, getting away. There's a certain style they like to see and the judges like to see. They like to see upright style with a picking point, straight shots. Mine was always more of a bit of a picking angles, moving around, maybe not your orthodox kind of boxing style. So I always felt like professional game were going to be for me and I'd be more suited to the game. What are your thoughts on... Um 
the amateur scene in terms of you know uh, England and how it's run because a lot of pro boxers that I've spoken to some of them are 50-50 some of them are very uh, you know positive about them and then then you have the other side as well where they're very critical of of the amateur scene what are your thoughts are, are on the yeah, I just think, yeah I've heard a lot of stories where a lot of the fighters are not happy and they feel like they didn't get the right just you know selection but you know we seem to do a lot of good job in the Olympics which seems to produce good fighters you know my they're doing a good job at the top end but I do hear a lot of complaints as well that we're not getting selected and certain clubs get a bit of priority but you know I don't know how much that is they seem to be doing a good job at the top and producing Olympic champions so they've got something right maybe the selection is not 100% but that's, that's in any sport you can look sports across the board cricket, football, boxing whatever you want there's always people doubting the selection there's always certain people get favours over others so you say your record was 14-4 and four in the amateurs why did you not push further in in, in the amateur ranks? I, t I took a, I took a bit of a break after after one of my fights. I had a bit of a family situation at home, and I took a little bit of a break, and I kind of fell out. What did I say? Fell out? Yeah, I took a distance from the sport and concentrated on my family stuff, and I had other priorities. And I really kind of just walked away from it really for a good three or four years. But I just ticked along in the gyms. I didn't really compete. That was a phase what really kind of motivated me to turn professional. I mean, having that having that break away from the sport that was that was a bit what kind of pushed me to turn professional. Before you went on your break, did you have aspirations of, you know, the amateur worlds and the Olympics and so on and so on, or were you sort no, of I taking never, it one fight honest, at a time? I started quite late, so I went to the gym as, as an 18, 19 year old. So it's not like a kid who starts at seven or eight. I never really aspired. To, I never thought I turned professional. I never thought that would happen. Uh, I just thought I'd have a few amateur fights and see how it goes. Uh, I, I've actually went down because the English Institute of Sport is where the GB team used to train. And I sparred with a lot of the GB teams. A lot of the guys you hear about who turn pro with spies to go regular and spar with them on a Saturday. But I, I, no, I never really aspired to put Olympics. That one really never in the back of my mind. It just to get as far as I can and then turn pro doors for me not just in boxing but other 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 sectors of life it really has introduced me to people that i would never met been in position i've never met if we weren't for boxing and it, you know it changed my life massively and it's probably looking back at there'll be fighters who are amateurs better records than me but never turn professional so it's one of the things i'm really proud and really happy i did at the time turn professional and box so it's there for life isn't it? nobody can ever take that away from you when it came to training camps what were your thoughts on training camps did you enjoy them or did you hate them or no fighter can ever like training camps. If you like training, you're not training hard enough. Training camps are horrible. They're hard. You're getting up at 6 o'clock in the morning. This is a bit people don't see because you see a lot on social media where people are criticising fighters and slagging them off. And, you know, but the real fact is, you know, when you're running at 6 o'clock in the morning and you're in sprints, sprints are horrible. They're the worst things I could do in training. I hated them. And you're dieting. You're training three times a day. There are times when I was training, I was running at 6 o'clock in the morning, sparring at... 12 o'clock in the afternoon and then training again at 5 o'clock in the evening. You know, it's serious dedication. You put your life completely on hold. Literally, there's nothing else in your life. And then when the people still trying to put you down, it, it, it kind of think you just don't know what a fighter goes through. And I think sometimes it only takes a fighter who's been through that to understand the dedication, commitment that it takes to be a fighter. Uh, so I quickly want to go back to, you know, when you said you took a couple of years out of the sport for personal reasons. What was it that drew you back into the sport? Because after being out of a sport, especially at amateur levels for so long, it's not often people get drawn back into the sport and think, do you know what? Yeah, yeah, I'm it's a good question because I, mean, I, had a big, I had a big loss in my family, a massive loss, and it took a lot out of me. But uh, So I, I thought that me, that's me done because obviously family were not in a good place and I thought that's me done. I never box again, but in two, because I played, I played cricket at a very good standard. And in 2008, I went to India to uh, play cricket. I toured all of India. 
played probably the best league clubs in the whole country. So I went with a local club from Sheffield and we toured, stayed there for three and a half weeks. And really looking back at it, that probably changed my life. And that going there and the motivation I got there and the poverty I saw there, people I saw not, not got opportunities like I have, really give me the motivation to say, right, I'm going to come back and I'm going to have a go at this and I'm going to make something from it. And that was it. I'd say that trip in India probably was a life game changer for me. As soon as I come back from India, three months later, I went to form Umrah in Mecca. And after that, after that Umrah, I made intention while I was there. I said, look, I want to come back and I want to box. And that was it. The day I got back, I, I started training. I started training. I went to see a promoter. I went to see a manager. said, look, I want to turn pro. I want to have a go at it. And that was it. Them, them, them two kind of journeys. One good in India, seeing the poverty, seeing how, how much little opportunity people have got. And then, then performing Umrah and having the spirituality there, it gave me motivation to go and achieve what I want. What was it that pushed you it pushed your thinking that you want to go back into the boxing and really push the boxing rather than the cricket cricket because I, I i felt like i could express myself more in boxing boxing is a kind of sport it's an individual sport you could really express yourself and i felt like a cricket i've achieved i couldn't play any higher standards than i wanted so that for me that was a big kind of thing to say uh, go there and just get the experiences that i got in india and while I was out there and while I was performing Umrah, little things, things that go through your head and you just think, right, I want to go back and it kind of give me a bit of freshness and give me a bit of boost and I want to go back and I want to achieve this because it's always on back of my mind even though I'm not boxed for a few years and, and I feel like if I didn't do it at that time, I'd have probably regretted it for the rest of my life. How long would you say when you came back from Umrah, were you pushing boxing scene again? Was it straight away? I got back on a, I got this, I got, if, if, if I got back on a Monday, I think by Wednesday or Thursday I was ready. That was it. I was ready to go. I was starting to train. That was it. I decided then. The intentions were made that I'm gonna turn professional because I was always in and out of gyms anyway. I wasn't totally out of shape. So then I just I started my, my training and that's to get me weight down. And that, that was the start of the journey where I decided right. I wanna. I told one or two people. A few guys laughed at me and said, "Oh, you're not really know focus on yourself. You put your trust in God. You have your intentions clean, and then you've got nothing to worry about." Uh, where did you train and who was your coach? I first went to Dom uh, Ingalls Gym in Sheffield. I trained there for about uh, six or seven months, and I thought I was going to turn pro there, but uh, I just I just didn't feel it was the right move for me because they've got a few they had a few big names at the time there, and I felt like I would probably not get the attention that I probably wanted and, and direction. So I went with a local manager promoter from Sheffield called Dennis Hobson, my trainer Andy Marlow and Sean Pickett, who I, who I trained with. When it came to you know picking fights for you know people like yourself who are you know, coming from nothing to a certain degree into the pro game, how do you find the right promoter or manager for yourself? Or do you just keep asking around until you find the right Yeah, you, just, you just kind of you talk to other fighters, you kind of get a vibe who's on the scene, what, what who's delivering, who's, who keeps the word, you know, who, who sticks and who, who kind of looks after the fighter the best. And Dennis, he was recommended by somebody and he was a good friend of mine at the time anyway. So, yeah, it worked well for me. Ashraf from India and Arthur Gill and Mr. Mahmood, uh, big shout out to uh, to you, Israr. Uh, they're listening to your interview. So they just want to say hi. Okay. So looking at your fight career, you only had four fights. Any particular yeah. reason why you stopped at four fights? I just, you know, what it was, I, I, I involved in some good businesses. And my manager said something to me, he goes, Izzy, your problem is you're too smart. And that's not discredit to any other fighters, but I was always making good money and doing well in certain businesses. And, you know, I got to four fights and it's a dangerous, dangerous game. And it only one t- it takes one punch and that could be your life over. 
and you know I understand the severity of it and I just felt like I've done it I've achieved it I've, I've, you know that's what my goal was to go there have a go and achieve feel the experience feel the hype achieve that and I felt like that's me done I've thought about coming back for about last eight years seven years I've always thought I'm going to come back and box I'm going to come back and box but when I got my manager's license we know that, that was it that was finally kind of put the box here to die and I can find, finally feel content within me that I'm never going to box uh, competitively again. but I do miss it I still train but I felt like that was the right thing at the time of the time the right move to stop and that was enough for me and I felt like somebody told me a friend of mine in uh, Birmingham phoned me up and said if you can walk away from boxing with all your faculties in place you've done well and I felt like Alhamdulillah, I had, me, I had me all my faculties in place. My health was good. Grateful for the opportunity. And I, I didn't want to cause any more damage. Or Because heavyweight, a box of cruiserweight, heavyweight, only takes one punch and seriously could affect you for your rest of your life. And I didn't I didn't feel like I want that at that stage. I felt like the age wasn't right for me as well because I started late. I had a lot of other things going and I felt like that was enough. The uh, weight division uh, that you're in, uh, that is a cruiserweight division, you guys don't get the credit as other divisions. So no. We're talking about no. the welterweights and the heavyweights. Why do you think that is? It's a real strange. It's a real strange division. It goes from twelve stone seven to fourteen stone four. That's nearly two stones. You know, there's a lot of people in the favour of should have a heavyweight and a stuck heavyweight. So yeah. go up to fifteen stone heavyweight and then have a could have a cruiser from twelve seven to something or to, uh, thirteen half stone and then thirteen half stone fifteen heavyweight and then you have a super heavy. There's a lot of call because you could be boxing at fourteen stone and fight somebody at. 13 stone, a stone difference. You know, you can't do that in any other one about the heavyweights. So, yeah, but uh, you don't get the recognition. I don't know why. Uh, it's not one of them appealing ones. That, you know, heavyweights, so everybody appeals to heavyweights or your, your welterweights. They're the big divisions. But, yeah, never, yeah, it's always been the case. and oh, It's still the case. Cruiserweights never really get, get the accreditation uh, as other, other weights. Uh, did you, during your pro career, did you find yourself giving up a lot of body weight to your opponents or... Were you lucky in the terms out that you were fairly even, evenly matched in terms no, of... No, no, yeah, I felt, I felt like I wasn't... When I got to the cruiserweight limit, so when I got to 14-4, I felt like I wasn't naturally strong. Because I'm a big guy, you know, I walk around at 17, 18 stone. But I felt like when I got down to 14-4, I wasn't strong enough naturally. I wasn't. I wasn't naturally. These guys were coming in big, stronger that way. And and I felt like at some heavyweight, I'm not big enough because I sparred with Tyson Fury. He's, he's six foot three nine. He was a nightmare to get hold of him. I understand how hard it is, and heavyweights come big. They're not the generations where they were coming at six foot three and six foot four. Heavyweights are six foot seven, eight, nine, and ten. And how did you fare against um, Tyson Fury? Well, I'll tell you. I claim my I claim my flame to uh, glory. I cut his lip in first round. So we did three round spar. I cut his lip in first round, and he absolutely destroyed me in second and third. I think he was taking it easy, just kind of sizing me out. I got him with a jab, and I saw a bit of blood. I thought that's the worst thing I could have done. <laughs> yeah, and he jumped on me second and third. But credit to him, he didn't take liberty. But he just he was just too big. He was just too big of a bloke. So being in the ring with some with Tyson Fury and actually having that experience, why is he so hard to hit? What is it about him that's so it's different? Very elusive else for a big for a big guy. He's very elusive. I've got a Tyson Fury style of fighting as well. I like his elusiveness and his awkward. He's light on his feet. And he's massive, and he used that range brilliantly. Some big guys actually don't use the range, but he uses it brilliantly. And and he's an absolute dent, and I'm a massive Tyson Fury fighter. And even for me, just to say I've sparred with the heavyweight champion of the world, it's something that not everybody can say. So, But yeah, I'm a big Fury fan. I think he's brilliant, and I think he beats, I think he beats every heavyweight in the world easy.
we'll get to that in a moment. Um, um, who else have you sparred um, in your pro career? Uh, I sparred with uh, a, a big puncher called Oval McKenzie from Derby. If you've heard of him, there, he, beat, he nearly beat Tony Bellow, knocked Tony Bellow down. He fought Nathan Clevy, everybody. I've sparred him. I've sparred with Clint Woods in Sheffield, IBF heavyweight champion of the world. When I were at Ingalls, we sparred with everybody. There were all, all the fighters who were at Ingalls, sparred with them. You know, Calbrook and everybody who were there, sparred with them. Uh, sparred with Tony Bellow as well. That was a good spar. I'm trying to think of any other names that uh, are you. I've been to America and sparred with some good names. They're all good at the uh, gym in Philadelphia. Spent three weeks there. So yeah, I've had, I've had massive sparring experience and it all just builds, builds you up and you're learning all the time. You know, um, when you go, say for example, a boxer calls you in for sparring, do you do you get uh, reimbursed for that? Do they pay you or do you just come for the experience? Yeah, yeah they pay if, if he's got a training camp or he's got a fight coming up, they normally pay for sparring partners. But uh, I never got paid for sparring partners. I, I always went to get my benefit out as well. But yeah, there, there is people who get spar, get paid to spar for a week. So we to go abroad to spar. But yeah, I never actually got paid by just I went because I wanted the experience. Is there a lot of say boxers, but they're not well known, or maybe they don't, they're not, um, they don't, they've not had enough fights, but they just purely go for sparring champions or good yeah. quality boxers. Yeah, yeah. There's, there's, there's fighters out there who just want to be sparring partners. They probably start off to be wanting to be champions, but realise the hard game, and then they play a sparring part role. And when they do box as well, they've still got that sparring mentality and sparring partner mentality and style, and that shows. It wasn't for me. It's not an easy road, but you know, a lot of fighters do it. A lot of people learn from it. When you decided to hang up your gloves, how difficult was the transition from hanging your gloves up to sort of going into your businesses and a sort of a normal day-to-day routine? It was, it was massive. It was very difficult because you know, as a fighter, you know, you get a buzz. You walk into the ring, everybody's, you know, your phones ringing non-stop, radios calling, your newspapers are wanting to talk to you. Everybody wants you to turn up to their, you know, places and the openings, and you, you get a lot of calls, and you're, you're in the, you're in everybody's kind of thoughts, and what, you, you're well known at this speed, and everybody wants to be part of you. And then as soon as that stops, you know, this is why a lot of sports people, it's not just boxing, and it's across the, across the board, they're going to, they can fall into depression and fall into mental health because they miss it, they miss that drug, it's a drug, it's addiction, and they miss it, that adrenaline, they miss that. I was very fortunate. One fortunate, I've, you know, I've, I've been practicing my religion since two, 2007, 2008. So I've always had a spiritual side, and no matter what happens in life, we've always got, we've always got uh, God who always protects us, and we've got the guidance, and that's always our focus in life. Fortunate with a good family around me, and my businesses and other things that I had. But the massive thing, God's boxing, what replaced it, I, I, I got a gym straight away. So I set a gym up in my local community, and I thought, right, this is what I'm going to put some energy into. So. I didn't really miss it as much because I actually started seeing young kids doing well and people in the gym doing well and watching them spar and place that adrenaline and the buzz and I, I always inspired. I always inspired to met these champions and let them have, have taste some of the stuff that I've been tra- let them travel the world and enjoy the sport. So I was quite fortunate in that sense, but a lot of people don't. When they leave the sport, they, 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 they turn to alcohol, turn to drugs, they seem somewhat to replace that. But with, with alhamdulillah, with, with having, having, having Islam in my life and having a good family, you know, I was I was blessed really. And the transaction wasn't really a problem whatsoever for me. What's the gym called? Jim was called One Nation Community uh, Boxing Club then. We did really well. We won community awards and everything. But we've actually moved now. We've moved buildings. We've, and we've, we've set up as Woolsey Road Boxing Club. Affiliate amateur club, and we've also got professional boxers who are, who are going to turn professional. Current pro boxers, a few lads who are going to be turning from amateurs to professional, and all at the gym. And what's your dream? I'd love to get a young lad from our community, our area, somebody I've built, got managed, 
looked after and met him fight in America. We let him fight in Vegas for a world title fight, and me, me thinking, wow, we started this. That be, that's priceless. But worth more than any money. You were involved in the Super Boxing League. Can you talk to me about how you got involved and talk to me yeah. about um, your experiences? Yeah, unbelievable experience. Best, it's one of the best experiences of my entire life. Last Ramadan, yeah, I think you were halfway through Ramadan. A friend of mine phoned me. And he goes, uh, are you sat down? I go, yeah. He goes, have you got your passport ready? I go, what, why, what's up? He goes, remember I told you that we might be going Saudi and you, we want you to manage some of the fighters. And he goes, and I didn't believe him. I thought he's just having it on because there have been talks about this for a year or two that they're going to be boxing in Pakistan, boxing in India. And I was always part of the kind of picture. And then when, when he confirmed it, he's confirmed to me that, yeah, it's on uh, a brother called Latif Mohammed and Asif Valley was a very good friend of mine from Bolton. They, they kind of, put it together and they, they kind of picked me to be one of the managers or coaches of the team and, and then two weeks later I was sat on the plane going to Jeddah it was unbelievable it was it almost felt like is it really happening it was a it really was a, a phenomenal experience behind that is it are they are they funding are they putting a lot of money into sport or what who's who, who's behind the whole, whole, whole thing it's a chap called Bill it's got a chap called Bill Desange so he, he, he was, he's a director CEO of SPL and, and he's got a vision to make a similar thing comparison, you know, the IPL Cricket League in India, a similar version of that of SPL. So it's, it's Middle Eastern boxers. So he wanted to build teams in from Jeddah, from Dubai, from, you know, Qatar and make different teams from different cities. Have, have, they have boxers, so they have a group of like seven boxers from Jeddah, seven from Medina, seven from different parts of the Middle East and create a league so they are competing all the time. So I don't know how far it got, obviously... There was a chance of us going this summer, but I think with, with the COVID-19, that could be put off. Uh, but that was his vision. But, you know, I, I loved every second of it. And obviously, Amir Khan boxed Billy Dib on the main card. And then the undercard was the SPL fighters. And I was I was a manager for Jedra Shark, so I looked after all the fighters on the undercard. And the experience was brilliant. Honestly, I can't, I can't put it into words how good it was. We did Umrah every Friday. You know, our hotel was 40 minutes away from the Harab. You know, I can't ask for anything, but what could you get better than that? What was it like uh, managing fighters from a different country and and providing yeah, it, them with your own experience and expertise? They brought a lot of difficulties. The two of them didn't speak English, okay. so like they were broken English, so they were like trying to communicate with them. And even in the fight, I remember one of them, Russian kid, and I was like, I was trying to tell him something, but he didn't understand, and he was getting frustrated, and I had to calm him down. And yeah, it, it did bring difficulties, but then it's all all part of the learning curve, you know. So yeah, but we met there were guys from New Zealand there. Venezuela, Colombia, India, Pakistan, England. It was, you know, all over the world. There really was people from all over the world. Um, and what things did you personally take away from that experience last year at the at the SPL? Personally, you know, I, I built a lot of like contacts myself. It, it gave me like extra confidence knowing that look, I can I can perform on a platform and manage fighters. And and I always wanted I always wanted to manage fighters. And stood up in front of a few hundred people and I, I did a little bit of press conference. It was like a live press conference and talking in front of dignity and all that. You know, it gives you a bit of confidence once you've done that. Yeah, I just I took a lot of personal gains from it everywhere. And spiritually, it was unbelievable because you know being in based in Jeddah, I spent four weeks there. And the best thing of it was everywhere we went, you know, when it was prayer time, we had time to pray, everything closed down. And, you know, everywhere, at the gym we trained at, you know, a mugger of time, everything closed. You prayed and then you went back to training. And it was it brilliant. It was absolutely, the whole atmosphere, absolutely buzzing. And the fact that we were so close to, you know, Haram and doing Umrah every Friday was uh, priceless, priceless again. Were there any um, popular or former world champions there um, whilst you were yeah, part of the Super yeah, Boxing I made, League? Yeah, I made good friends. 
I made good friends with Lennox Lewis, Paulie Malinaji. They were both there. There was a big UFC name. I'm not big on the UFC. Is it Chuckle? Chuckle. Uh, yeah, Chuckle. He was there. So we made good friends. We were going out with him, like you know, good. I've made really good friends. Right. So there's a lot of investment coming in from the Middle East in terms of bringing boxing there. Do you think we'll see more major boxing events happening in Saudi and Jeddah and so on? 100% boxing will, Middle East will be the new home for boxing. You've seen Joshua go there, you probably see Fury go there next because it, it, finance plays a big role and motivates where the promoter's going to put on. And I know people, slag people like Eddie Earnoff, but financially and business-wise, it makes complete sense. It, they don't have to promote it to fight really because, you know, the tickets aren't big issues there. You know, the government probably take most of the tickets. The money's absolutely massive, massive, massive. And they still make money on the pay-per-view. They probably make more money on the pay-per-view. The fact that people will not really want to travel out there, you don't feel like it's a kind of place where they can go and, you know, go and watch boxing. But I totally enjoyed it there. If you were to give it an estimation personally, how, how long would you say the transition from your big fights being in America to the Middle East, how, how long do you think it's going to take? But I reckon within the next four to five years, most major fights won't be. UFC and boxing will be in the Middle East. So yeah, without holy, a shadow holy doubt, of boxing. Yeah, yeah within, there's no doubt in my head whatsoever. All the big fights will be there. And, and, and I think they've got a plan for 2030 where they really want to push push uh, tourism. And I know there's some pluses to it, negative side to it as well. But regardless of boxing, it's definitely it's opened the, open the doors. Things like this SPL event and uh, Joshua fighting Ruiz there has opened the doors massively, and you could every every major fight will be going there because the money is going to be ridiculous, and and why not? Would you come out of retirement for the crazy money? Got <laughs> <laughs> big money, could be big money. Uh, no, you know, I, I was tempted when I was out there. There was Yuri Fury there, and they wanted to spar with him. They weren't really top shape, but I was willing to spar with him, and he, he's a top bloke as well. And his father, Pete Fury, what a what a gent he is. But yeah, I, no, yeah, I think that's me done. I want to. Just Concentrate and focus on managing fighters and producing the next world champion. Well, Israel, I just want to say thank you so much for coming uh, on air and having uh, a discussion about your life in boxing. So thank you so much for that. Not a problem whatsoever. Pleasure being on.